Hello, g'day, good morrow, and welcome to the Right on Track podcast. We hope you enjoy your stay and you are comfortable for the duration of this time. But never fear, we are here to give comfort to your ears, for I am Tom Denham. I am Tom Parry. I am Connor Jonas. And I am Sam the Train Fan. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Okay. Quick clarification. Yeah, we do have another guest on this uh, very special podcast. We're here to welcome Riley. Welcome. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Um. He's not Sam the Train fan. That he's in New Zealand. This is um the Australian Sam the Train fan. Basically, both of you are very similar. I feel. Uh, but this is the Iron Engine, as you may know him on the interwebs. So, hello, welcome. Hello, welcome to you too. Connor yeah. Tipsudora, Jonas. <laughs> Very nice. So, we're going to be covering some fantastic series three episodes in this podcast. Tom Perry, what are they? So, the episodes we'll be covering today, Denim, are Tender Engines, Escape, Oliver Owns Up, and Bulgy. Yes. So, it's going to be a bumper episode for sure. Right. It is indeed. I feel like this is the ultimate quadrilogy. Or the Trilogy of Four, as Douglas Adams would coin. <laughs> the um, Trilogy of Four? Um, I, I think it's one of the ultimate story arcs of this season. And uh, whenever like, I think of Series 3, I think of all four of these episodes. Yeah, like, clearly. I, I can agree there. But the thing is, is Tender Engines isn't really a part of it. I feel like it's a prequel. Definitely. Mainly because I see that in like the light of it being in the same book as escape yeah um so that that's kind of where my head canon works yeah but before we get into any of the episodes uh riley why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh how you started with thomas favorite season or episode and why you're picking on connor yeah, all those I, 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 i'd like to know why you pick on me a lot <laughs> but we'd like to all know right. the other stuff um, so basically, like, I've been a fan of Thomas all my life, and um, that sort of, like, transpired me uh, joining the Wikia and devoting, like, my passion for Thomas on there, and then eventually I joined Twitter, and then, like, I became really big on Twitter, and yeah. So you edit the fandom page that we often refer to here at Right Well, on I Track. used to. Mm. Um, I ended up leaving my position because, uh, like, it just got to a stage where it was too time-consuming for me. Yep. So, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any sort of particular sides of the Thomas fandom that you're really interested in? Like the music side, the video side, the custom side, the podcast side? Um, basically, I love everything there is to know about Thomas. Yeah. I'm like right. an all-rounder. Okay. Nice. Do you have a favourite episode or favourite character in the show? Um, I don't really have a favourite character because there's just too many to choose from. Um, I guess my favourite episodes would probably be uh, the ones that we're recording right now. That's why I decided to jump onto this podcast. Okay. And favourite sort of memory of Thomas? I guess one of my favourite memories is just, like, watching the episodes and, like, feeling uplifted by them. Yeah. And, like, seeing something that I could take away and implement into my own life. I think we've all had that experience. Definitely. Watching Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. I've learnt you never uh, put fish in an engine's boiler, mm. avoid ice and snow on the rails, um, domes on high bridges. That's what I've taken away. Don't rock and roll. <laughs> That's what I've learnt. 
<laughs> That's why hip hop. All right, shall we jump into our first story of the day? Yes, which is Tender Engines. In this clip here, uh, Gordon is going to be seeing a pair of tenders at the docks. Later, Gordon steamed into the yard at the big station. That's what I need, exclaimed Gordon. There, emerging out of the sheds, were two shiny tenders. Now, if I had two tenders, said Gordon, I wouldn't need to stop so often and I wouldn't have to listen to silly little engines. Those tenders belong to a visitor, replied his driver. Diesel sidled up alongside... Everyone knows that tenders are a mark of distinction, but I'm afraid that no amount of tenders will save you in the end. We diesels are taking over and we don't need tenders to make us important. Not even one. Gordon was most upset. I I would like to go against Diesel's claim there because there are such things as brake tenders that diesels used to frequently use. That's true. But brake tenders probably weren't around at that time. Hence why Diesel doesn't mention them. That is also true. But that would be a brake fan, basically. I I don't know the difference between a brake tender or a brake fan. They sound very similar to me. But, yeah. Okay. Well, Riley, do you want to give us a synopsis of this episode? A double-tendered engine arrives to the island and Gordon becomes envious, especially when the others tease Gordon against taking too many resources for himself. Although Gordon overcomes his problems... Henry boasts he deserves an extra tender for his hard work, but Duck brings him back down to earth. Leaving it open so that we can... I like that. Good job. That was an excellent summary. Well done. Yeah, yeah thank you. Mm. a polite golf clap. Mm. Yes, good good job, Riley. Good job. You can have a treat. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, this episode, I, I love it. I remember watching it on the VHS, uh, especially the early part with Gordon. So, you know, Gordon's there getting too much coal at the hopper, then hmm. he's getting so much water. And well, he has to take water from a hose because the yeah. water tank that he should be getting water from is empty. Is out of, out of water, rather. Yeah. And then he sees two tenders, like, that's what I need. And he goes hmm. to the fat controller. But then goes, oh, on the railway, there's long breaks, so he needs to have lots of coal and water, which is why hmm. he's got two tenders. Hmm. Now, uh, in sort of TV series, railway series lore in general, Gordon is apparently brothers with the real-life famous engine, the Flying Scotsman. They're both A3-class Pacific engines. Yes. Correct. Um, Or approximately, because Gordon's, like, experimental, Mm quote-unquote. But going off of that, the engine with two tenders here is the Flying Scotsman. Mm. We have the... Apple uh, green colouring, we've got the Allen AR, and then we have, is it 4472? 4472, which is the official number of the Flying Scotsman. Yes, for once. Mm. (laughs) Um, Now, wouldn't Gordon recognise his brother? I made a point before that maybe Gordon hasn't seen the Flying Scotsman with two tenders before. It could be possible that he forgot, or he doesn't know his Allen AR number. Yeah, true. Like, he, he could have had, like, a livery change or something that yeah from last time because he's working on a completely different railway. So, yeah, that's understandable. I'll, give, I'll, I'll put him on here, Kenan. Yeah, they maybe only knew each other in their Doncaster days. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. 
It's pretty interesting as well because in the original story, uh, Flying Scotsman had a lot more of a larger role. And then in here, because they couldn't finish the model in time, uh, they decided to like cut his role down. Yeah, to just two tenders. Yeah. And, mm. a and we point. see a, a bit of a glance on Flying Scotsman's cab, which is actually Henry's cab. Yeah. Um, so there were the- there- there's been theories going around as to what the actual Flying Scotsman model would have been, where they would have just reused Henry and then painted him all up and everything, or whether they were building a whole new model for it or whether they were building a stationary non-moving model. I think it would have been a similar case to uh, City of Truro. They would have used a stationary model because there's no real scene where the Flying Scotsman is in full swing action the only thing I can think of is when he moves back into the shed. So, but that could easily be done with like a hand or yeah. a piece of string. Or, exactly. Yeah. Oh, of course, when we say that he moves back into the sheds, we're talking sort of railway series discussion because mm. uh, this is based off the railway series book. Mm-hmm. It is from the book Enterprising Engines, which yes. was published in 1968. Oh. The book number 23 in the series. One right. of the best books. And, yeah, and this story is called not Tenders for Henry. Yes, it is. No, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it's Tenders for Henry. Tenders for for Henry, yeah. Now, you see, I I made that mistake there because this really feels like two separate episodes. It does. It feels like two different stories mushed together. Because the first half is Gordon going, oh, I want more Tenders, and oh, look, that engine's got more Tenders, and everyone's like, no, you don't. And in in that part is one of my favourite lines my sister used to quote which is when Duck goes up to Gordon saying on how he's drinking so much water, and Gordon goes, what is it? Education Gordon Day. (laughs) And whenever my sister has been overly pedantic about something I've done, I always quote that Mm because she remembers it, I make sure she remembers it, and I find it absolutely hilarious. It's one of the best written lines, in my opinion. Mm. There's some great dialogue. It's interesting that you make the comment about... um, it feels like two episodes kind of mushed together. Um, I think it's from the conversation that Henry Duck and Gordon are having is the original beginning of the book story, whereas in the TV show format, um, everything up prior to that point, I believe, is written by probably David Midden yep. and Britt Alcoft. So, yeah, there's some writing differences that have collided here and they've need to work around that. But as you mm. said, great dialogue. Yeah, yeah, it has got some great dialogue. Um, and then Diesel has a small part to play in it mm. where he talks about... Diesel's taking over. Yeah, Diesel's taking over. You mean Diesel's are taking over? Even though, wasn't yeah, he sent away before? Yeah, well, you, we also saw him in Mavis. Yeah, we saw yeah. him in... Like, honestly, I'm pretty sure at this rate he's just like... Hiding around the corner, rubbing his hands. Oh, what can I interrupt? I'll come back in series. Or we did discuss in season two that there's more than one of these devious diesels. Yeah, so it could be the second one that wasn't sent away. Oh, tell us, Riley. I reckon it's just one diesel, just one (laughs) BROA in a black livery. Well, how does Diesel recall all of like these past incidents that he's had? They are a part of a hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, does he recall them all? Uh, and like, <laughs> and every Diesel that we see, like we can easily go unless Diesel in the show mentions every single appearance he's had. We can easily take a, an appearance he hasn't mentioned and go, 
that was a different diesel. And we know that there are tons of black liveried BR008s around the island from the plenty of times that they have gone to the other railway. But we have seen other classes of um, diesels basis in the show, and they all have different faces. So why is it there is this one particular diesel that has the same face and that... Why, yeah, why are they identical? That's a fair point. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like, twins. Like, well, oh, like, but we yeah. have other... Um, Diesel twins of the same basis who have different faces to diesel. Mm-hmm. So why aren't they? Why don't they have the same faces? Yeah, the, the, this is a point in the show on what makes someone a uh, sibling and then what makes someone a twin. Mm. Because it is said that um, Reneus and Dolgok, huh, mm-hmm. the oh. yeah, uh, R- Reneus narrow gauge engine, then their real life counterpart Dolgok. They are apparently twins. And then Skarloey and Talilin? Talilin? Talilin. Talilin, yep. They're apparently twins as well, and they were built at the same workshops approximately the same time. So, Reneus and Skarloey are technically, like, cousins then? Because yeah. they're different classes, same workshop. Mm. But they're never referred to as cousins. They're always called as brothers. Mm. Something that's not addressed in the show, yeah. but in the books. Mm. And, and then you have, you know, like, f- um, Scotsman and Gordon are brothers. Then technically Spencer is cousins to them. But then, you know, all the BRO8s, are they brothers? Are they cousins? Well, there are different um, BRO8s that are built in different workshops. Yep. So, say, for example, Splatter and Dodge, um, who also share the same basis as Diesel, um, what if they were built at the same place at the same time, simultaneously side by side, hence yep. they become twins. But Diesel is built in another location, hence he is not technically a twin of them, but mm. a brother. Yeah. yeah, or maybe a cousin because it's a different workshop. Because I understand stuff being built at the same time, because they would mass-produce these things, especially the BROA. I believe it was 996 sold in the whole world or produced. Now, in the Railway series, they introduce a character called Green Arrow, and he is explicitly stated to be a cousin of Flying Scotsman and Gordon. Yep. So how can Splatter and Dodge be cousins to Diesel if they have the same basis? You see, I'm going off different workshops. Right. Half brothers. Because, like, think. Oh, I like you could actually. I was just going to use an example <laughs> that totally disproved my point, but I'll mention it anyways on how you can have a sibling born in another hospital. They're still your sibling. They're not your cousin. So, if a workshop is a hospital, then your design is your bloodline. Then, from that, I feel, and then your construction date determines whether you're twins or brothers. Hmm. You I know, that's what, you know what I feel like? I feel like we're going off topic here. We're going off track. <laughs> we, yeah, we the guest host is saying that. That's really saying something. <laughs> okay. I, th- I think conclusion is that uh, Diesel just came from the other railway to deliver something, and he was there yep, at the time. Yep, he was just yep. mean. And then the second half of the episode, Henry finally going to Gordon, you don't need tenders, I need tenders. Mm-hmm. He's like a big smile. That's a big flex from Henry. <laughs> and he's going, I do twice as much work. I deserve, like, at least two tenders. Mm. 
what I find interesting is that um, I feel Gordon gets brought back down to earth in this episode because in previous episodes, Gordon is really pompous towards the other engines because of his size and his importance and being the only engine strong enough to pull the express. Um, but when Diesel uh, is introduced into the episode, he sort of chips away on Gordon and brings Gordon back down to earth. Yeah. And while Gordon is going down, Henry sees this as an opportunity for him to go up and build up his own ego. Yeah. Mm. That's a really good psychological like interpretation of it, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, me too. That, that's amazing on, on how Henry saw it as an opportunity. Like Even in the shot where you've got Gordon, Henry, and Dark next to each other, you can see Gordon's looking rather glum. And then Henry's next to him looking like the next top dog. Surprisingly satisfied. Yeah. Um, I like that. It's my new hair kill mm. Um, But yes, yeah, second half of the episode. Henry is going, I deserve lots more tenders. And then Duck goes, I can give you tenders. Mm. Yeah. Eight tenders. Uh, mm, six, he has six. Six. Uh, six. Mm. Sorry, six tenders. Don't, don't and get ahead of Fill with boiler sludge. Yeah, and uh, you, you can have them uh, tonight. Yep. Mm. And then Henry is seen later that night Mm. with his six gleaming tenders. How wonderful and marvellous when they're all rusted, broken, covered in boiler sludge, and are probably due for the scrap heap the next day. Mm. Yeah, and I what, I partic- what I particularly love about the ending there is how Henry hears a voice going, have a good washout, that's right, then you'll feel a different engine, alluding to something that Henry said to Gordon earlier in the episode. Yeah. Now, in the original uh, Railway Series story, we have Flying Scotsman in the background, and it's believed that he was the one who said that line because the mm. voice is similar to Gordon, mm-hmm. and then they are brothers. Mm. Ah. Yeah, because at the end of the story... Um, but we don't actually see Flying Scotsman at the end of the story. Yeah. No. The narrator says he thought the voice belonged to Gordon and which, it kind which, of leads to open ended. Which is an interesting deviation because usually the narrator just says, you know, we don't know who said that voice. Yeah. 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 But then yeah, he goes, we thought it belonged nod. to Gordon, but we're actually not too sure because mm. there was someone else off screen that you can never see. Mm. So my guess is when they were originally planning to have Scotsman... They had the script going. They couldn't finish the main engine and boiler part. Um, so then they just quickly reworked the script and they looked at that part and went, yeah, it still works. Yeah. And just didn't touch it. An interesting bit of trivia is that Flying Scotsman's tender uh, in the episode is actually two cold tenders, where in real life he only has one tender and the other is a water tank tender. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And they're corridor tenders as well. These are corridor tenders, but they don't seem to be connected. Yeah. So he is... Uh, an, an, uh, another another interesting piece of trivia is that uh, the tenders that Henry is pulling, uh, the same tenders that all the other tender engines are based on, bear Henry, uh, which is the Fowler tenders. And the Alani are... Tenders? Yep. Um, but uh, if you compare the two tenders together, they look completely different to the tenders that we see on Edward, James, and Gordon. Mm. Mm. Very true. So they're models which have been crafted specifically for this scene, is what you're saying? Yep. Or they were... Well, accurate to the basis yeah. of the tenders compared to... And on some of them, you can even roughly see some like scratched lining on it that says, like, Alan ER, LMS, mm. some yes. extra details on it, uh, which I really like. 
Um, we also get to see the inside of the ventilated Tidmouth sheds in this episode. Are you yeah. sure? No, no not this Oh, wait, episode. no, not this episode. Ugh. Getting ahead of yourself. I am getting ahead of myself there. No, my bad. Uh, no, it's um, it's got very industrial scenes. Mm. We get a fair new props. So we get the Gorn's, uh, the Scotsman stuff. Mm. We get all of Henry's tenders. Mm. Um, and the alluding to the wider railway, which I believe we are yet to ever go to. Mm. Yeah, mm. we haven't been there as of yet. Yes. As of yet. And um, interesting thing about this, which this really well covers, and the story Tenders for Henry mentions as well, on how this book, uh, the original book, Enterprising Engines, was published in 1968, which was when the uh, steam was finally withdrawn from British Railways. And I like how they sort of mention that here. Mm, but they, it's only alluded to very briefly. Very briefly. Gordon just said, Diesel says that, you know, diesels Diesel's are taking, taking over, over. And the fact controller reassures them and said, that'll never happen on my railway. Yeah. Ever. But the I fact like by going mm. on my railway, mm. that goes, other railways, who cares about them? <laughs> Modernisation. I feel that if they, uh, they will have stuck with the original mm. railway series start with Gordon feeling sad, maybe not mentioning that, all the scrapping's going, but, you know, the other railway didn't want steam engines anymore, kind of mention. And then the fat controllers send Scotsmen along if they finally finish the model, and that would then lead into Henry having his tenders want instead of the sort of arrogant Gordon that then is put down for Henry to go up. Mm. Which I really do like that, Riley. That's a good point. So, ratings, guys. You can begin, Connor. I'll begin. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this a 8. I, I like it. It's also the last time we ever hear Gordon's grumpy music. Mm. Last time we ever hear it, which is a little bit sad. But then it we... Makes me a bit grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we've also got the... Um, you know, the, a whole bunch of new props. The end scene lighting is gorgeous. And you just get some wonderful little witty bits of dialogue. Mm. Denim? Nine out of ten. Nine? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I love the kind of... The underlying themes of, like, steam is moving out of action, but uh, Northwestern Railway is kind of like this safe haven for steam and everything preserved. Um and we see a very different side of Henry as well, which I think is an interesting character development, but also an interesting character development for Gordon as well. So it's stuff that I really enjoy. It's meaty. Meaty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as for me, I don't think there's enough meat in this episode because we've got the two separate stories here, but I feel like they're not fleshed out properly. So for that yeah. reason, I'm giving it a seven. Okay. Mm. okay. But I do very much like the visuals in this episode. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with Parrot on this one, and I'm going to give this uh, episode a seven. I don't feel like it's a 100% good adaption from the Railway Series book because there are a lot of elements that are left out, like Flying Scotsman and Gordon's brothers being scrapped. Um, But I do like the inclusion of Diesel in this episode, um, even though he's not supposed to be on Soto and he's supposed to be sent someplace else. Um, 
but all in all, a seven out of ten for me. Nice. nice. Anyways, now we're moving on to our second episode. Oh, I'm so excited for. Like, I, I'm straight out saying right now, it's going to be difficult for me to actually give this a, a fair rating because this is my favourite, if not in the top five favourite episodes of the entire series. This is Escape. That night, Douglas was still working. He had taken the midnight goods train to a station at a faraway part of the island where only the diesels work. He was just shunting, ready for his return journey, when... That sounds like a steam engine, he thought. The hiss came again. Who's there? asked Douglas. A whisper came, are you a fat controller's engine? I am Prudit. Thank goodness. I'm Oliver and I'm with my brake van Toad. We've run out of coal and have no more steam. But what are you doing? Escaping. From what? Scrap. Douglas shivered. Then he remembered Edward's story about saving Trevor. I'll be glad to help you, he said. It'll have to look as if you're ready for scrap and I'm taking you away. The drivers and firemen agree to help too. Everyone work fast. No time to turn around, panted Douglas. I'll run tender first. Come on. I had shivers. Just yeah, I think we breath. all did. Yeah. Like, hearing that music and seeing Douglas there assisting a rust-coated Oliver, it just absolutely... Oh. You know, you know it, it really does stuff to you. Yeah. Well, oh. I, I, I think Connor is really... Whoa. Connor's struggling to put words to his mouth here. I can just um, see it Riley, there. would you like to give us a synopsis of this before I break down? <laughs> sure. So, in the beginning of the episode, Edward points out to Douglas that he and Trevor were spared from becoming scrap, and that another engine is needed on the railway. Douglas, who narrowly escaped the fate himself, is inspired that night to rescue Oliver, a great western engine, and a brake van named Toad, whom are stranded in the scrapyards. Ooh, and that is the start of a horror story. Mm. Mm. And you turn into Tom Denham then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is one of the particular things that irks me about this episode, as great as it is. There's a secondary conflict in here about, you know, Edward and Douglas, you know, basically having this spat over. Because at the beginning of the episode, Edward and Trevor are happily talking and Douglas goes, stop gossiping in the sun when there's work to be done. Yeah. Uh, and that puts Edward in a huff. He has this, like, really frustrated, annoyed face that we never yeah. see again. It's made specifically for that scene. He hates Douglas. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, they talk things over later and Edward mentions, as Riley was saying, that Douglas and Trevor have something in common. They were destined for oh, scrap. Oh, no, don't make that word. It makes my heels shiver. Except wobble, wobble, I think. Wobble. Is wobble. Yeah. Close. Yeah. And then... Edward briefly follows it up afterwards by saying, all the same, we do need another engine around here, and that's it. That's it. And then we go into the other story about Douglas rescuing Oliver, and then 
the conclusion to that story is Douglas going to tell the other engines about his finding, and the engines are like, oh, is that, is that such a good idea? Should we tell the fat control? And then the fat controller goes, well, here I am. What's going on? And it's like, well, we found another engine. And he goes, great. I know. In fact, they're already working on him, and in the next shot, you'll see him completely repainted. Yeah, it's just, I feel like this entire episode could be split into two separate episodes, really. Which it was in the original book. Which it was in the original book. We could have one maybe about Douglas saving Oliver, and then we could have maybe that second one about the engines wondering what we can do. Yeah. Mm. Have another deputation meeting. Yes. That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Edward and Trevor having a chat in the sun. Douglas doesn't like it. Then uh, Edward mentions that both Trevor and Douglas were once destined for scrap themselves. I, I tell you what, though, that particular scene where Douglas you know, tells Edward and Trevor, quote-unquote, to stop gossiping, it really put me in the mindset as a young child that if some, a couple of people are talking to each other, you shouldn't interrupt them. Yeah, yeah, because they might be catching up on old times. They might be discussing yeah. really important. So it really instilled in me this sense of, I guess, patience and... Uh, and not in- interrupting others? Yeah, not interrupting others. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Perfectly executed. Mm. Well <laughs> um, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, but it mentions Douglas's escape from scrap, which is something that... I believe is only ever briefly mentioned before in the deputation. Yeah. And I feel that it is a really important part of this storyline here. Mm. So. Yeah, they don't really give it enough gravity, do they? Yeah, they don't. Douglas was himself destined for scrap and that Trevor was saved from scrap. I mean, I think they need to work that into the story more. I like that there's this commonality going around that. Um, so many engines were kind of destined for the scrapyard, but it's the, the Bluebell Railway. Kind of, yeah, it it is effectively the Bluebell Railway. Yeah, um, which we will hear a lot more about later. <laughs> Much but, um, later. There was, I think, it was the Bluebell book actually, where they did have a story there about engines being destined for scrap, and there's this really macabre image of mm. an engine sitting in the scrapyard, you know, rusting away, dirt on its face, and there's an inspector or a foreman who goes around checking him, mm. and it's almost as though the engine knows what's happening. There's yeah. another man with a blowtorch as well. Mm. In the background, which is terrifying. Mm. But for those who don't know the deeper history of... Douglas. Uh, so for those who don't know uh, the deeper lore of the show, here's the basic rundown of Douglas. Um, Donald and Douglas, when they first arrived at the Fat Controller's Railway, he was only expecting one engine to arrive, that being Donald. However, he didn't really know uh, them because they both had their numbers and nameplates removed. What had happened is that Donald and Douglas were both effectively destined for scrap when the Fat Controller bought, one of them then brought him to Sodor. At the same time, the crews of both Donald and Douglas were also apparently twins, and they decided to escape to Sodor together. So Douglas essentially snuck onto the ship with his twin, then they both went to Sodor. The thing is, is a lot of this probably would have been covered in the episode Donald and Douglas had it not been removed due to the missing coach plot. 
Mm. Which is one reason I really feel they should have had it, because it explains so much more about that character. Every other character has got a bit of a deeper history with them. Like, mm. Bill and Men, oh, they're clay pit twins. They're a little bit mischievous. Don Douglas is... Here's Don Douglas. They're Scottish. Yeah. That's oh. essentially their character development. It begins and ends with Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel that this re really have... That deeper lore really would have added to mm. this episode. Had they brought or built upon it any more... But I still love this episode. You're making me feel bad about loving it now. <laughs> no, you really should love it because it's got so much going for it, not just the soundtrack. And um, we played a little bit before, mm. actually. Uh, and it actually has two influences, that music. Yes. Mm. So. Th- this um, was actually something that Connor brought up the first time Denham and I met him at Radio Camp early last year. Yes. I And I oh, absolutely love it. Mm. So, um. I'll go to the earlier version uh, of it first from a previous show, Denim, mm-hmm. on how before Thomas was, uh, no, during sort of the second season, roughly, of Thomas, was the sister show Tugs, we've mentioned a few times. In it, there was the Tugs danger theme. Now, we're going to play a very brief snippet of it here right now and just try and get the theme of it in your head. So, that is the danger theme from Tugs. Yes. And I sense there, Connor, that there's an influence from a very famous film soundtrack. Yes. So, for those who are movie buffs... That's me. Yeah, we're going to <laughs> cater... Hello, Barry. <laughs> we're going to cater to you now with a 1963 film called The Great Escape and Its Theme. Now, they may sound ever so slightly different. Um, They both have sort of that plonk to it Mm -hmm. and that movement. A kind of military march, if you will. Yes. But now is it possible that we could actually go to the proper escape theme for a split second from the clip we just played? So, Denim, um, if you could now play, just listeners, keep in mind the great escape theme from 963 that we played. And the Tug's Danger theme. And the Tug's Danger theme. Now, if you could play the escape theme from Thomas. Absolutely. Surely you hear that, people. Surely. I, I, I hear that. And, like, I mean, especially when you get into the more quiet part, such as here. That is the great escape. The drumming. Yeah, the drumming, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it is very much an amalgamation of two themes, or maybe one theme has influenced another, then that's influenced another. Mm. But regardless, it has led to this masterpiece that we'll play for you guys later. Absolutely. But Escape. Um, it is a wonderful, interesting episode, because Douglas goes to the, the yard on the... On the far side of the island, even though it's supposedly the other railway, mm. there's tons of continuity questions there. <laughs> and it's the first episode we see Douglas without Donald. 
Yes, yes, and I believe the episode before no, Donald's Duck. So, so, we, so we've seen episodes with <laughs> Donald solo, but we haven't seen an episode thus far with Douglas solo. True. Mm. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Douglas, as he's leaving, he hears something that sounds like an engine. Now, I want each of you to answer this. What did he hear that sounds like an engine? Oliver sighing. His steam. Oliver's wishing. Okay, so I agree with you most... Parry, even though I'll go against it on how any sentient piece of rolling stock could have been sighing. Yeah, but because Oliver did say we've run out of coal and have so, no more steam. So how could he oh, have true. wished? Okay. We, and, and that's... But when we see... Oh, maybe it's a like a pss, pss, you know, that kind of thing, trying to, trying to gain Douglas's attention. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Mm. Oh, in the original story, they had like this bit where it was like Oliver's escape. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the episodes, Oliver. But anyway, it's yeah. like um, Oliver and um, he's in the siding and then there's like rubbish and stuff that they block the path so the diesels couldn't find him. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they didn't include that in the episode. They didn't. And that's something else. So in the Railway series, there is an entire story where he's escaping to his spot where Douglas found him. And in one of them, he hides in an old quarry siding near a signal box and they... Uh, close off the uh, line with a whole bunch of rubbish and soil and whatever so that the diesels can't find him because the diesels are literally hunting him out in this story. And now here he is stuck, rust-riddled in a scrapyard with his brake van towed. Now, it's interesting. uh, In the original Railway Series story, uh, Oliver didn't just escape from scrap with towed, but he escaped with a coach called Isabel, and Isabel wasn't introduced in the TV series. Now, I believe one of the reasons why they decided not to bring Isabel into the TV series was due to the budget issues. Uh, As we mentioned before, Flying Scotsman, um, they couldn't complete the model in time, hence we only see the tenders. Um, And I think another reason as well is because of the sexism complaint with female coaches in the show, and possibly uh, the writers thought it would be a good idea to omit... Isabel from mm. not appearing in the show because she was a female coach. And the thing is, is that if you get Isabel, then you need to get Dulcie. And then if you get mm. Isabel and Dulcie, then you need to get the others. Mm. Yeah, which would just be a whole lot more budget in the future. So I understand why they did it. And some of the shots in this episode, beautiful. You get the dark, foggy... Uh, yard on the other railway. You get that shot at sunrise as Douglas is leading mm. Oliver home. Yeah, you get a point of view shot from Douglas as he's leaving, and then he almost looks to left. There's mm. a one of the over the track signal box with the dog. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. and you hear the dog barking as well, yeah. just faintly. Yeah. Uh, it's like a uh, watchdog. Yeah, there's um, so much detail here in the shots, the lighting, the music, and even the models of Oliver and Toad, because this is the only time we ever see them looking like they're destined for the scrap heap. Mm. They're all rusted and corroded. And And then you have, like, these leaves and wires going around them. And then the same episode, you see them all done up in green livery and painted properly. Now, it is well known, uh, at least in the greater fan base of Thomas, that... Oliver had a separate model for himself. 
Uh, there was the scrap model, which is frequently seen in me, scrap scenes later on. And then there is the clean redone model, which people see in the show at the end of the episode and later on. Would the same have been done for Oliver? Or did they just repaint the body that they had? I reckon they would have just repainted the model that already existed and was already available to them. But then why not do that with Toad? Because Toad is a piece of rolling stock. He doesn't have any eye mechanisms in him. Yeah. So that's something to consider. Um, And, yeah, he doesn't move under his own power. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. But then you've got an issue on how you have got this prop that you've painted... Then you need to take it apart to get the shell, which I mentioned hasn't got any of the moving parts inside of it. Then you need to wait, let's say, max two weeks, minimum half a week to a week, to have it completely repainted and redone and lined and detailed for the final shots of the episode. Like, I just feel if you were doing that, then it may not have been worth it. I feel like, though, that they would have filmed um, particular scenes, like, from multiple episodes at the same time. Like, that could have been filmed at the same time they would have made Oliver Owns Up. True. Yep, understandable. Um, Especially because Escape first aired 9th of June 1992 and Oliver Owns Up, the next episode, aired seven days later. So, you know, they definitely could have... Like, I'm not saying that they film it, like, a week or two in advance, like we do here at Bat on Track. <laughs> uh, but um, they, you know, they do plan this months in advance. But, like, I still feel that there has got to be an Oliver Scrap model identifiable in one of the many scrap heaps that we see on Sodor. Mm. And I want someone to point that out. Being somebody who's devoted a lot of time to the wiki, I can confirm that there is no Oliver Scrap model. It is possible that they might have some parts, but, but not I, full... I've never actually seen a full Oliver Scrap model. Mm, it might just be a smoke box or a wheel arch. Just yeah, but something. then Oliver wouldn't even have a smoke box because his smoke box is the one that we see in his final model. True, yeah. So I think it would have been easier for them to have made Oliver in the scrap condition and then repaint him into his great Western livery. Um, they've done this sort of thing before in Tugs with yep. other characters. So Sunshine, who was originally painted uh, white, then they repainted him yellow. Yep. That's... Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and there are other Tugs characters as well, like Sea uh, Rouge and Blue Nose, for instance. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely understandable. I just... I, want... I, I just feel like uh, Connor's going Captain Pedantic over here, and I feel like we're oh! going off, off topic once again. That's my line. <laughs> well, there's two of you on that side now. Yeah, true. Denim, please, I need backup. I'm lawfully neutral. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I'm not getting it. Now... Right to the episode scores. <laughs> <laughs> okay, episode scores. I'm straight out going 10. Okay. I'm 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 not arguing this. It is an amazing episode and the only bits of pedanticness are they could have gone a little bit deeper maybe with the Edward Douglas Trevor discussion. However, without them going deeper, 
that sort of final three quarters of the episode is utterly magnificent. The music, the lighting, the soundscape of it, even the little details, as you guys mentioned, even of the, the visuals. dog barking. Yeah. yeah. Like, the entire thing is makes me speechless. <laughs> okay, so we've got a 10 from Connor. Denim? Yeah, I think I'm also going to give it a 10. Um, again, there's so many elements I love about this story. I kind of like that they don't tap into that um, arc with Edward, Douglas and Trevor too much. It kind of leaves a bit of creative interpretation up to the audience, which I like. Um, but again, the music is phenomenal. Uh, Mike O'Donnell and Junior Campbell on fire here. The story uh, scripting is fantastic and the visuals, again, are amazing. Like, thinking about it, one of my favourite shots from this whole episode is when I think one of the railway men or the guard is flicking the light on uh, Toad. Mm. And there's just that wonderful kind of brown wash over the camera that just kind of makes it feel so authentic and real. Um, But this episode definitely has a lot of authenticity and I think really speaks the volume of what classic Thomas Well Done looks like. So for that reason, it's 10 out of 10 for me. Um, this puts me in a precarious position. Uh, Riley, do you want to give him more time to think about his <laughs> no, excuse? No, 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 no. My <laughs> excuse is I think this story would have worked better if they had either split the story in two, like made it two separate episodes. Or as had in a, the original Railway book? Yeah, as yeah. in the original Railway book, or perhaps delve deeper into that uh, Edward-Trevor conflict that we were talking about But then you'd have less time for the escape. Yeah, I know you'd have less time for the escape, but you could end on the escape and then maybe devote another episode to... What what do we do with this engine? You know what the cliffhanger of the episode could be hmm. when the they uh, get stopped. Yeah, when the signalman stops them. Ooh, Will they so it's escape? like it, it's like a Doctor Who episode. They just end it when you least <laughs> expect it to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's going to get a nine out of ten from me. I'm sorry to everybody that this is not going to be a perfect score. Damn you! But um, damn you to hell. I... <laughs> May Peel Godred have mercy on your blackened. Diesel soul. Riley, what, what are your thoughts? What are you going to give it out That's of That's okay, Tom, um, I forgive you. <laughs> so even though I've uh, condemned uh, Tom Perry to hell, <laughs> um, I say uh, it's going to be a, a 9.5 for me. <laughs> and the reason why I'm giving it a 9.5, this is one of my favourite episodes, don't get me wrong. Um, this is one that I'd recommend to all of my friends or anybody who hasn't seen Thomas. Um, but uh, but um, I feel like what would have really enhanced the story is if we had have seen Oliver's um, escape from the other railway with him yeah. in the quarry siding. And it's unfortunate because that's something that we're not going to see now since the show is in CGI. So we've sort of had that opportunity uh, taken away from us. Um, but... On the other hand, I do like the parallels and the connections between Trevor, uh, Edward, Donald, Douglas, uh, and Oliver. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to give this a 9.5 because there is that um, a, a bit of the story that's really crucial um, that's missing. That's actually not a bad idea to have Oliver's side of the story told. You, we could have this kind of Toby and the Stout gentleman Thomas and Trouble yeah, kind of thing. What How we could have mm. is we could have um, the 
um, entire. We actually we'll turn this into a different trilogy. Mm. Forget Oliver owns up and bulgy right now. Okay, <laughs> put that to the side. Yeah, yeah, we'll put that to the side. But we could have the story of Escape as it is, except they drag it out a little bit more and cut out the ending on what to do with Oliver. Mm. Then you have the entire story as to how Oliver got to the scrapyard and his escape, and then you have the story of what we're going to do with this engine, and that is when they bring in Oliver Owens up. I would do something a little differently. I would have the full Edward Trevor Douglas conflict and then stop the story when Douglas comes across Oliver, and then we get told Oliver's backstory, and then the next story after that would be Douglas and Oliver escaping. I would have it from the point of view of the Diesels trying to hunt down Oliver. Ooh. <laughs> so you don't see Oliver at all mm. until Douglas is in escape. Um, for this three-parter, I reckon that uh, I would go with the original Railway Series concept of there being the third story, which has not been introduced or adapted in the TV series. So in the story Super Rescue, uh, we're introduced to two new diesel engines who weren't introduced in... I feel like I'm, like, padding. Um, it's all good. Uh, in the story... Uh, so Super Rescue was a story that follows directly after Tender Engines, um, in which Henry is sick from the boiler sludge, he's feeling really depressed, and in the same story, we're introduced to two new characters called Bear, and, well, he wasn't called Bear at the time, um, he was called by his number D7101, and another diesel called D199. Um... Obviously, for budget reasons, I'm assuming uh, that was the reason why they couldn't adapt that story uh, into the rail, uh, into the TV series. So, no, no, so like what, what you're saying is they had to introduce that other story there with Henry and the two Diesels. That would have, you know, provided greater context to Oliver in his struggle. Is yeah. what you're saying? No, I feel like that would have like summarised it being a trilogy. What well, I okay. really like the idea of, as you mentioned, that it will be cool if. D7101 kind of stayed in his place and they tried to figure out what to do with him. And whilst that was happening, Spam Camel, D199, went back to the other railway and kind of got together with his diesel mates and they said, hey, we're after this steam engine. And then that kind of plants a seed for... Diesel 10. The Oliver. (laughs) Diesel 10. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm going to throw one other idea out. Gordon model is made. Not Gordon. Scotsman. They're brothers. Same thing. Yes. Uh, Scotsman model is made, and then you have that Scotsman model-based tenders for Henry story, and then you have the Oliver, not the Oliver, the Edward, Douglas, and Trevor story where Scotsman then comes in as a third party going, yeah, a lot of engines are scrapped. If the or- It's really terrible. The only way that they can really be saved is if someone saves them from scrap. And, like, you guys really need an engine here. If you can find an engine in Scrapyard, you'll be good. And then we have the escape in the next episode. Mm. I can see that working. I can see all these working effectively. Okay. Everyone, quickly, copyright your ideas. Okay. I'm writing this down. Yeah, Yeah. uh, I can't copyright by uh, Chicken Jonasar LTD, (laughs) TM. And all good. 
We've covered a lot on this episode so far, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yes. I, I, like, like, you guys don't know this, but there's a ton to edit out because we've rambled a lot, we've edited a lot. We've had a couple of things go wrong in the studio. <laughs> we have. In fact, I'm fairly sure we've been technically recording for an hour already, but that's fine. Probably. Yeah. Hmm. But I think we've earned a break, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. A song definitely. break, no less. Yes. Oh, yes. With one of my favourite pieces of music... From the escape episode that we have just covered, this is Oliver's Escape Theme by Mavis Ann. Hope you enjoy. was Mavis M's cover of the escape theme from the episode Escape of Thomas and Friends. You are listening to the Right on Track podcast. Denim, Parry and Connor are being joined by Riley, our very special guest for the day. And we're going to go into our third story that we're discussing, and that is Oliver Owns Up. Now, we've already been introduced to Oliver in scrap form, and now here he is in full great Western colours having a conversation with Donald and Duck. You think I can't manage? He said huffily. Gordon knows better. He says I'm sagacious. You may be good gracious, or whatever you call it, but trucks can be troublesome and... Say no more, Duck interrupted Donald. It's maybe a pity, but the wee engine will have to learn for himself. What does he learn for himself? Well, <laughs> we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, Riley, do you want to give us a rundown of what happens? Sure. Um, so in this episode, uh, Oliver is new to the island, and the other engines are complimenting him on his courage. Uh, this makes him conceited. He pays no attention to Duck's warnings about being careful with troublesome trucks. 
And when he is asked to handle them for his next job, he gets into a nasty accident in the term table while Oliver pays dearly for this. Hmm. Now, you would have heard in the clip there that Oliver used the term sagacious. The television episode is based on a railway series story from Oliver the Western Engine. That's book number 24 in the series. And it is called Resource and Sagacity. What a word. Yeah, what a word. Now, sagacity... End. End is such a good word. Yeah, yeah. so sagacity is the act of having wisdom or intelligence beyond your years. And that's how all the other trains see Oliver. And this goes to his head, essentially. Mm. And he says to himself, look, Henry says I'm amazing. He's right. Yeah. (laughs) And it eventually gets to the stage where Oliver is tasked with shunting some troublesome trucks who, as we know, cannot be trusted. And he's rude to them and he ends up uh, bunker back in a turntable well. Yeah. Mm. So uh, this event is based off a true event where a Lancashire and Yorkshire 242 LMS tank engine uh, fell backwards into a turntable well. Now, those don't know what a turntable well is. It's the hole where a turntable sits. Yes. And what is a turntable? A turntable is a platform where an engine moves onto in order to change their facing forward direction. Looks like a round dish. Yes. yes. A flying saucer. Whoa. That's mm. in the ground, so the yeah. crashed flying <laughs> saucer. So it's in the meteor crater, and it's just spinning around endlessly now. Yep. Yeah. Not endlessly, but you know, you know what I'm saying. If James is on it and high winds, <laughs> yeah. but... It feels like a lot happens in this episode. Like, we're introduced to Oliver as a character again. We see some lovely shots of him working, and mm. he has conversations with Duck and the other engines. We, we get a I be- actually argue the opposite. I don't think a lot happens in this episode. It's really leading up to this big conflict here. Yeah. Hmm. Still a lot, a lot of little events. So yeah, it's a lot of little events leading up to a really big one. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, I, but the thing is, you have got to admit, this episode has got some really interesting shots, such as, for example, a shot that follows Thomas pulling trucks before veering off to the left and zooming in on Oliver. Yeah, that's a it's great shot. one of my favourite shots in the whole show, hands that's down. brilliant. And I think we get to see just about the entire cast in that shot as well. Uh, yeah, we'll quickly double-check that. Primary and, cast. Yeah, in uh, the next okay, few so seconds here we go you see... Here. I see Percy, Gordon, Dark. James Duck, and Oliver's on the side there. Yeah. All right, so no Henry, but you know. And oh, no Toby either. And no t- <laughs> yeah, I just confused a van for Toby, so that speaks about his design. <laughs> what is Toby? He's just disappeared off the face of the island at this point in Series 3. Oh, yeah. no, no uh, he's been uh, turned into a goods van. Don't say that. How dare you? Okay, the only reason he's being kept around is because it is more expensive to scrap him. His wood. They just need to wait for him to break down. Do you hear that, Connor? That's the sound of the world getting its torches and pitchforks ready. They're coming. (laughs) They know where we are. It's nice Uh, knowing you. So... All of this uh, sagacity (laughs) goes to Oliver's head. He ends up in the turntable well, where he's then winched out by two cranes, put in a very compromising position. It's another really interesting shot. Yeah, and what's even more interesting is the way the Fat Controller talks to him, because if this were any other engine, he'd be scolding him greatly. But in this one, he's almost compassionate. He's sensitive to what Oliver's had to go through, which I think is interesting. Mm. And he can sort of understand what's happening here. Yes, I think he can. Now, uh, the set that Oliver falls into the well in, 
I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Riley, is the Wellsworth yard that's been redressed? Yeah, uh, it is actually um, the Fafakwa Sheds. And mm. Fafakwa Sheds... Um, Fafakwa? <coughs> we say Fafakwa on this podcast. Yeah. I'm saying for Farquhar because, like, they called it for Farquhar in, in the fifth season. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, I that that was my argument, but these guys said it was merely a stutter. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so anyway, um, the area where the turntable well is um, is the Farquhar sheds. Uh, a interesting bit of trivia is that the Farquhar sheds um, was, at, despite being like on a different part of the island on Thomas's branch line, one of my favourite shots is when Donald is pulling Oliver away on a flatbed to the works and uh, following behind is a very depressed-looking toad Mm. and Duck is looking on by from the turntable and it's late at night and you get this, like, sad view of Duck going... It's almost as if he's saying to himself, this is my fault. Yeah, like, (laughs) I... I, It is really depressing, that shot, now looking Mm. at it. It is. And, like, I recommend you guys, as with most of these episodes, to re-watch them, except Better Late Than Ever. (laughs) And... Hey. Hey. That's not fair. (laughs) Who's been sleeping in my bed? (laughs) As if... As if Denim can talk. I mean, he's the one who gave uh, Edward Trevor and the really useful party two out of ten. Yeah. Really? Can we trust his judgment? Yeah. We can't even trust to upload a podcast. He has me to come in for 15 minutes and do it on a Saturday. Are you still savage about that? I'm still savage. Honestly. Who's in it? 22 out of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, true, but still. <laughs> that one I didn't even edit. I just put it online raw. One of my favourite shots in the episode is... Um, uh, the one of Oliver going backwards with his wheel spinning. Oh, that is a great shot. And yeah, I agree. he's getting pushed by the trucks. Um, what's interesting is that in the first shot um, of Oliver collecting the trucks, the trucks' faces are facing towards the camera. Hmm. Now, as Oliver is going down towards the turntable, the trucks' faces have magically disappeared from the end and have gone the opposite side facing Oliver. And I think the reason why they did this was... Uh, as a, a visual representation. Mm. Like they're facing and pushing him now. Yeah, this mm. is something we see a lot, though, in the television series. We often see the faces on one side of the trucks and then they move to the other side of the trucks. So you see, troublesome trucks have this special ability. Like <laughs> if they want to see one way, they can push back hard enough that their face would go in to the wooden panels and come out the other side. Just travelling through the empty void between, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, that, but it's actually during that scene as well that there's another really interesting shot and an assumed magic tech trick, um, which is where we see Duck on the turntable and Duck's moving. And as Duck moves away, we then see Oliver approaching us at Mach 10, ready to crash. <laughs> and, and when he does crash, actually, um, it is um, it, all his cab windows are blacked out. Now, normally you're able to see right through his cab, then you're not able to. The reason because of this is they put weights on one side of Oliver's model so that he could tip into the turntable well, Uh. and they wanted to fabricate that, so that's why they blacked it out. Mm. Similarly, they did the same thing in um, Bulldog as well. Ah, I didn't know that. There you go. That's why... um, And possibly the Flying Kipper. Yeah, 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 Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and... Possibly obscure episode that no one has heard about. Yeah, see, I'm smart. 
I'm sagacious. You may be well, good, no. gracious, or whatever. It is, but... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways, but that pretty much wraps up Oliver owns up, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it pretty much does. I think we covered yeah, everything uh, we so need to. Now there. let's move on to the scores. Yeah, yes, yep. I think Riley's taken over the role of producer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you give your score first. Um, I want to give the score last. <laughs> <laughs> That's not oh, how it works around here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Denon, why don't you go first? Look, I think this is a solid episode. There's a lot of really nice nuances, and um, there's this wonderful build-up to the climax of Oliver falling into the turntable well. Cinematography, again, is on point. Um, I love the trailing shots of Oliver, but I think those nighttime shots of... Oliver looking down on the Fat Controller, very atmospheric as well. Mm, all um, the steam coming up. Yeah, and all the men kind of trying to figure out what to do. I think I'm going to give this episode 9.5. Very nice. Well, Denim, I am going to give it an 8 out of 10, I think. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of little things leading up to a bigger thing. Um, I think they probably could have done a little bit more with the episode, given it a little more meat, but... Uh, no, otherwise, I think it's pretty solid. I do take issue, though, with the ending, how it says that Oliver never had an accident with trucks again. <laughs> okay, how many accidents has he had with trucks since many. season three? Exactly. Many. In fact, okay, <laughs> since season three, this exact episode is mentioned twice, and they the episodes that mention them apparently take place immediately after. Yeah. So in season four, you've got Toad Stands By, which mentions and shows shots from this episode from when uh, Oliver falls down the turntable. Mm, wow. And actually, in the original book, Oliver the Western Engine, Toad Stands By comes directly after Resource and Sagacity. Which makes sense. Yes. But then you also have season five, Oliver's Find, where it says that as a punishment for his bad work and falling down the turntable. Well, 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 well actually, season five, it's really interesting because he has another accident with trucks and I think he pushes them into the turntable well, That's if I remember correctly. Yeah. I thought that was quite poetic, really. Yeah, it, like, honestly, he has so many accidents with trucks. Like, they should honestly just go, but this is the island of Sodor and anything can happen even if it defines moral compass. That, that, that was a dun, 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 dun. There is a four-word motto on the island of Sodor. Then there was trouble. <laughs> Ellipses. Yes. Little did they know. Mm. But that's a story for another time. What was your score again, Connor? I didn't give it. Oh, okay. I, there we are. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to give this episode and uh, nine. And nine. Yeah. Excellent. I, I was going to give it an eight. Good English. <laughs> uh, it's actually enunciation. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a nine. As you say, the build-up and this accident, I just feel, is executed so well. And the view of Duck looking mournfully over um, Oliver as he's being taken away, that just breaks my heart. Okay, so I think we've got 9.5, 8, and 9. Riley? Um, I'm going to have to give this episode a 9.5. Okay. Nice. And now we go to our final episode. This has been a long one. It's been a very long one. And the final story we're covering today is Bulgy. It's a story about a cantankerous double-decker bus. (laughs) That's a very good impression. (laughs) (laughs) But that afternoon, when the two engines met again, 
Oliver was no longer laughing. Bulgy's friend has come, he said. He's rude too. He's taking Bulgy's passengers home so as to leave Bulgy free to steal ours. But he can't, objected Doug. Bulgy says he can get them to the big station before us. Rubbish, replied Doug. It's much further by road. Yes, continued Oliver, but Bulgy says he knows a shortcut. But then there was trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, Bulgy, the bus that Oliver is referring to, is, as I mentioned, double-decker, and we're first introduced to him in the very beginning of the episode, and he's shown to be absolutely... He's dead set against railways. Yes, essentially, he he is an AEC uh, Bridgemaster double-decker bus. If my notes are readable, that that is correct, actually. Oh, brilliant! Mm. And yeah. uh, his snub nosed, and his motto is basically "Free the roads, mm. down with the, the anti- railways." Mm. Yeah. Yes, and he's and Riley, as you mentioned, join the anti-rail league. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, speaking of Riley, um, it's your job to deliver the synopses of this episode. So, what's our summary for Bulgy? All right. So, in this episode, uh, Doc meets Bulgy, the double-decker bus, who's very opposed to railways. Uh, Bulgy and his friend, who we aren't introduced into the episode, uh, mm. steal Duck and Oliver's passengers uh, by pretending to be a railway bus, something that uh, Bulgy is against railways, yet he disguises himself as a railway bus. But I digress. Bulgy attempts to take a shortcut. He ends up getting wedged underneath a bridge. That's it. Yeah. And it's one of the most infamous scenes in the entire show. <laughs> and, I agree. Yeah. And, like, I would say, as an accident itself and overall, it is not overly spectacular. Well, we don't get to see it on screen. True. Um, but even, like, the view of it, it's not over-the-top amazing. Mm. However, what I would say that gives this episode its, um, not infamy, but sort of its love and that everyone likes it for is the continuity Mm. because whenever this bridge is seen in the next few seasons and actually forever on from this point Mm. it is always seen with little markings like wood panelling holding it together yeah it's got these really botched repairs (laughs) and then in the few seasons after this you can even see Bulgy um, suffering his punishment yeah, nearby. Yeah, so he's idling in the farm next to the bridge in a couple of seasons, and then when we are introduced to him again in season seven, yeah, he's actually brought back to life. Yes. Huh. So, um, yeah, as Riley, you said, he gets wedged under a bridge, which is based on a real event in... Uh, Lewes High Street in 1962, um, as read in the Evening Standard paper, basically where a double-decker bus got wedged under a bridge. And um, as punishment for Bulgy being so reckless and dangering his passengers, like, I mean, if you look at this sort of model, I'm pretty sure you can see broken glass. You can. Shattered over somewhere. A broken window at the top. Mm -hmm. Bricks on the ground as well. Lots of dust. So many people could have been injured there. He's just lucky. He's decided to be put in the nearby field of a farmer 
who then uses him as a chicken coop. Mm, I, I mean, we should also mention that a bus being stuck underneath a bridge sounds like a real novelty, but in our hometown of Melbourne, it's something that happens quite frequently. Yes, yeah. true. It is true. You, you, you just search up Montague Street Bridge and you'll see what we're talking about, listeners. It is an infamous bridge here. Please look it up. Mm. But the entire reason that Bulgy exists is because there's a special holiday on Sodor and there are so many tourist makers and visitors here that they need more people to help carry it. But what is the special holiday? A special holiday. It's just special. It's, we don't know what it is. Is it Christmas? Is it like... I love that there's a banner that says special holiday. Yes. It, it, they may as well just in put an a... exclamation mark. Yeah. Exactly. They may as well just put a green screen there and said, insert holiday here. <laughs> and like the thing is, I feel the reason that they've done this is purely because of... Oh, well, not really a problem that I saw coming up. But in a future episode, what happens is that there are there's a Christmas celebration on Sodor, of course, at the end of Series 3. And that episode in the US actually aired as a Thanksgiving episode. Oh. So all relevance of Christmas were taken out. The reason for that is because originally it was aired as a part of Shining Time Station. And in the episode that it was airing in, it was a Thanksgiving episode. Yep. So they redubbed it and refitted it to be a Thanksgiving story. And it, with those edits, it is the shortest episode. It is, which is really weird. Four Mm. minutes and 12 seconds. Meanwhile, here they've got Special Holiday. Hey! Mm. Okay, guys. Is it Guy Fawkes Night? Oh, probably not. No, probably not. (laughs) Okay, I want you guys to try and think of a holiday to fill that holiday. Halloween. Um, I'm going to go with the original holiday, um, Bank Holiday from the Railway series. But the question is, what exactly is a Bank Holiday? Connor, would you please explain? If my memory serves me right, it is a holiday where basically all the banks close pretty much and have a break. Yeah, it's essentially a public holiday in Britain. Yeah. A yeah. bank holiday. Yeah. Um, and it has been well known for heists to occur after a bank holiday because mm. all checks and so on that people are passing that then are built up over the bank holiday... Mm then they can just raid them and get a lot more money for minimal work. Didn't the great train robbery happen on the bank holiday? Exactly. There we go. Yeah. Um, but that is the special holiday, and that's why Bulgy's there. Mm. And then Bulgy has a sort of discussion with Duck, and then Duck has a discussion with Oliver, and Oliver's like, I'm sure it's no trouble. And then Oliver returns to Duck and goes, here's trouble. <laughs> um, and says, Bulgy's friend has come, listen. Uh, this episode as well is also the first time that um, we're introduced to an antagonist uh, non-rail vehicle. Mm, yes. And, yes. Um, yeah, because George was came first, didn't he? No, because well, in the TV series. Oh, in, in the railway series. Yes, in the railway first, series, George the Steamroller did come first. So he was introduced in one of the Scarlet Railway books. I can't remember which one. Gallant Old Engine. Yeah. Gallant Old... Is that what it was? Yes. Now, so, yeah. This is where we should do our research before the show and not during. Uh, so it was indeed. So Steamroller appeared in Gallant Old Engine, which was book 17, published 1962. Oliver, the Western Engine, or Oliver the... It was 1969? Correct. Yep. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Trevor hasn't got moving eyes yet. 
Yes, he did. Season three. He does have moving eyes. Yes, he does have moving mm. eyes. Bertie still doesn't. Terrence still doesn't. Mm. I think the but reason Bulgy why does. Bertie doesn't have moving eyes is because he's got the passengers in him. So how would they try and incorporate eye but mechanisms? But Bulgy with... also has... He's a bus. But the other thing is that Bulgy is a much larger model, so they can yep. afford the fit uh, motor in there. Yeah. Yep. I understand that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a really interesting episode. Um, and then Bulgy doesn't appear after this episode. Uh, so after his accident, Duck arrives uh, trying to catch his passengers, finds Bulgy stuck, all the passengers hop on board Duck's train, and the Duck just goes over the wobbling unstable, falling apart bridge that's currently yeah. only being supported yeah. okay. by yes. a bus. If, if this were V-Line, and we know that V-Line, the Victorian passenger railway service, doesn't have the best reputation, they would have said to everybody, right, it's not safe, you know, you have to go by road. But the Ducks crew say, you know, it's potentially dangerous, but, you know, we must help the passengers. And the thing is, It's they... like, passengers come first, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. But if you have an accident, you've got no more passengers. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I'm pretty sure they board the passengers before they go over the bridge. Yes. Which is even more dangerous. Yes. Duck, is, Duck is a bit of a risk taker. Mm. Yes, he is. And, like, it's also quite dark as well because Bolger goes, stop, the bridge might fall on me. And Duck goes, well, that would serve you right. <laughs> I think Duck knows that it won't. Mm. So yes, he kind of as, says that in haste. Yeah. As we know, uh, when Duck used to work at Paddington, um, he took a great Western class in architecture, uh, and he actually helped design the very brick bridge <laughs> that bulges there. So he knows that that bridge would not fall down. He, he, oh, he has dear. his ways. It's the great Western. It's great Western built. It will mm. great Western do. Mm. Um, but there are a few other brilliant things about this episode. A wonderful shot of when Duck is approaching the bridge, point yes, of view. with the guard, yep. waving the flag. The, the bridge actually wobbles, close mm. up of that, when Duck goes over, and we see a lot more of the roadways. Yes. Which is something that I always like seeing, because we see more of Sodor that we mm. normally wouldn't. We also see Bulgy travel where railway lines should be. Yes, so if you've witnessed the show many times as we have, you will know that there's a sort of B-roll or transition shot where we see the engines all crisscrossing paths over three bridges. I think it's the three-tier bridge. Yeah, the three-tier bridge. And we see Bulgy, I think, on top of that third upper tier, tier. the top tier, where there should be a railway line and Duck sort of travelling underneath him. Yes. I believe that is a tram line. It it is described to must be a tram line because... How else could Bulgy uh, access the... True. You you see, the way I look at it is that why can't there just be a road, a fence, then a railway line? Oh, that's a fair fair point. That's how I've imagined it. Yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't make sense for such a narrow tram line to be used in such a high-profile area, especially considering that's believed to be part of the main line, looking at the trains that move across it. Hmm. But this episode has got one really sad thing, one sort of interesting thing. So after serving his punishment, Bulgy is not seen again until season seven, the episode Bulgy Rides Again, mm. which, if you can't guess, is Bulgy about being restored and driving once again. As we mentioned, we do see him like in the background every now and then, but yes, we don't, he doesn't have a speaking role or until that even episode. even a close-up, really. Yeah. But Bulgy Rides Again is exactly 100 episodes after this. Are you for real? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. 
if you sit down and count them, mm-hmm. there's a hundred episodes between them, which is wonderful. Like I like to think it was planned. I'm not so sure. I like to think it was a happy accident. Yeah. They go, who can we bring back? Bulgy. And they go, oh, if we do it, then it'll be 100 episodes. Yeah. Um, But this has got something very sad because the station where Bulgy steals the passengers from is... Tidmouth Station. Correct. 10 points. (laughs) And apparently... He also steals the station as well because we never see it again after this episode. <laughs> oh, it's one of my hey, favourite stations. We, don't we see it in season four at some point? Nope. Never. Okay. Right. <clears throat> nope. That's right. the last time we see Farquhar Sheds as well. Yeah. yeah it, it, like, honestly, this special holiday is turning more into a special morning service. Mm. Yeah. That's morning over you. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, bad. Bad. That's bad, Denim. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I feel like we've spoken about everything we can about this episode. We yep. get a brand new character, sort of two if we count Bulgy's friend, which we never see. Mm. And the that's hens. It's also interesting as well, um, in the original railway illustrations, um, Bulgy was given a black face, and I believe the reason why they did that was because... Um, well, his face was incorporated into the grill. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Mm. Mm. And it's also interesting because in sort of the Storytime library books that they did, which were essentially retelling railway series stories, mm. uh, you actually get to see another double-decker bus in the background. It doesn't have a face. Yes, mm. and in the same books as well, uh, we see Donald and Douglas painted blue. Yes, yeah. and... Uh, Isabel, Dulcie, Alison Mirabel, they all have yes. names. Mm-hmm. Like, they agreed that they were canon, sort of. Mm. Um, I just want to point out a couple of things before we do get to the scores. Bulgy Rides Again, Season 7. Yeah. It is episode 175 overall. Yeah. Bulgy in Season 3 is episode 75 overall. So it is exactly 100 episodes. So good. Mm. Damn you, Connor. Nah. <laughs> and the second thing I wanted to say is there's a particular line that Bolchi says when he's leaving Tidmouth Stations, and I've never been able to work out what it is, so I actually had to look it up just before the show. Yeah, boo snobs. Yeah, yeah. apparently what Bolchi says is, yeah, boo snobs. Yeah, boo snobs. Yeah, but of course, he's saying it with such a nasally delivery and so muffled, you can't tell that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that's all I wanted to say, really. Just, Thank you. Just yeah. wanted to put that out there. It's a wonderful expression. Yeah, I, we should incorporate it more into our everyday lexicon. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Now we should I'll walk, start tomorrow. Yeah, we should walk into the sin office and say to the staff, Yeah, do snobs! Anyways, <laughs> it's time for us to give the scores for this episode. Now, before we give the scores, Ooh. there's something I would like to address. Okay. Uh, in this episode, Oliver gives the bus the nickname Bulgy, mm. but... Bulgy's name is placed on his side. So how could Oliver have nicknamed Bulgy Bulgy if his name was already on him? This is segregation where, like, engines don't really communicate with buses, except for Thomas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. Like, 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 that's understandable. But it's a good point on how his name is written there. As I've given him the name Bulgy, when it's like, it's written, can you read? Mm. Like, I, I feel like this is actually Oliver's, you know, ego coming out going, I bet none of these guys could read. Yeah. Guess what I learnt the other day, guys? What? We. <laughs> I learnt 
that tomorrow's a special holiday. Wink. <laughs> but yeah, that is a really good point. Um, I feel what it would be, it was just sort of slip of the tongue kind of stuff on, I've decided to call him Bulgy. Why? That's his name. Yeah, that's a particular reason. I think it suits him. Yeah. But you actually remind me of something. This is the only time we ever see, this is the last thing I promise, <laughs> yep. this is the only time we ever see Holtross Station. That is correct. Which is the station where Duck and Oliver talk. Oh. It's the only time we ever see it in the show. It's such a beautiful little station, especially in the Railway series. Mm, I'd like true. to see more of it. But now we go to the scores. Now we it, go to uh, the Any scores. more interruptions, guys? No, no, no. I think we've covered absolutely everything. You don't need to go to point. the toilet before we go? No. No? I'm good. No. Okay. Oh, All I'm good. good. Don't worry, there's a bucket. So, <laughs> uh, Riley, why don't you start us off? Um, I believe I'm going to give this score a nine. Nine? That's okay. a respectable score. Yeah, Understandable. Very respectable. Mm. Well, I'm going to lean towards an eight out of ten again because, you know, there are some parts of the episode I think, you know, are only just glossed over, like Bulgy having a friend, for instance, and the fact that Duck would willingly, you know, cross a bridge and put everyone at risk. So yeah, there's those couple of things there. But, I mean, apart from that, it's, like, a really great episode, and it's one of those ones I find myself returning to time and again, well, yeah. as are all these episodes, really. But I think Bulgy more than most. So, yeah, it's an 8 out of 10 from me. Uh, I'm going to go with 7.5. Ooh, we're working our way backwards. Yes, that, that, This does not bode well. <laughs> um, like, I love Bulgy, but I do want to see his friend. Mm. I'm sad because we don't see Tidmouth anymore, but mm. that's not this episode's fault. Mm. Anything, it should be rejoiced. But Holtros Station's never seen again, mm. which is really disappointing. And then you brought up that weird continuity with why he's calling him Bulgy, Riley. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And Farquhar Sheds never appears again after that as well. I know. And it's a special holiday. Yeah. Not just any holiday, a A special special holiday. holiday. Can I go to the special holiday too? (laughs) Only if you finish with your (laughs) page. Yes, you were going to say something, Clary? Well, I was going to say as well, this is something which, which, you know, the series should address really, because in the original Railway series, Duck and Oliver, their terminus is... Tidmouth. Yes. Yeah, which is where all the mainline engines, you know, run their trains from. And at the other end of the railway line, there's um, Arlesdale. Have I got that right? Arlesburg. Uh, Arlesburg. Arlesburg, sorry. And Duck and Oliver were leaving from Tidmouth. You know, shouldn't they wouldn't be meeting those trains at the other end of the line, is what I'm saying. I think what happened is hmm. that Duck went to Arlesburg, then he went back to Tidmouth. Okay. And we see them taking different kinds of trains hmm. and... I do understand what you mean, but I feel like Oliver may have been running an express service or something. Oh, that's a possibility. Because we also see Thomas in the same shot leaving nearby. Yes. Which means he could have been helping out, which would... And uh, James. Yeah, which would help break the break in the episode. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, Denham, I think it's time for your score. Yeah, look, I think... There is a lot I particularly enjoy about this episode. Please don't There's... give this a two out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I will break you. <laughs> give it, it a one. It, it, it's I iconic. I want drama. <laughs> it's iconic. Uh, there's a lot of moments that um, people remember. Um, Say but. No. <laughs> 
And Bulgy is such a prolific character as well. Like, he's one of those characters people remember, even though in the classic series he only really appears the one time. Yeah. Um, he's kind of up there with, like, George and Scruffy, and I'd almost argue Diesel as well, those antagonists. Or even Bullstrode. And Bullstrode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All those antagonists that kind of had Or Tiger Moth. And Tiger Moth. <laughs> all the antagonists. Let's throw in Diesel 10 in there as well. And, uh, the class 40 as well. Mm. All those antagonists that had uh, just that one opportunity, but they made that opportunity count. And let's, and let's take into account the forgotten. Uh, Godred, yeah. Smudger, yeah. a.k.a. Stanley. Mm. Yeah. Spam Cam. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's about it. Oh, old stock up as well. Yeah, true. It's very true. Did you actually say your score after all that? For that reason. <laughs> and I think the chickens is a lovely little tidy. Oh, it is, <laughs> yep. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Oh. Okay. So right. we've... Like, You're not beating him up. We've, like, traversed all the scores here. Yeah. We have. Right it's oh, been good. Can I just add one more thing? I'm yeah. sorry. Sure. Yeah, sure. I love it how they give bulgy Dunlops. Yeah. You actually see it at yes. the end of the episode. You can see Dunlop written onto his rubber tyres. I think that's a nice touch. It is. Mm. Kind but, of adds to the effect that this is within the real world. Yeah. Yeah. But that brings us to the end of this episode, guys. Oh, what a ride it's been. I know. It's been a pretty long one as well. Yeah, There's going to th- be so much stuff that Tom's going to have to cut out. Yeah, ah. poor Mr. Denham, all that editing. Uh, but, yeah, this has been episode 23 of yes. the Right On Track podcast. We pen- have covered... We have covered today... Yes, that's an excellent point, Connor. Thank you. We have covered today Tender Engines, Escape, Oliver Owns Up, and Bulgy. It is the penultimate episode of... Season 3, we'll be heading into our last episode of the season next week. Mm. Looking forward to that. But yeah, uh, this has been a pretty long episode. We've covered a lot. And then, Riley, you've joined us for us, or on the interwebs you're known as the Iron Engine. Mm. So, thank you for joining us. Tips for Dora. (laughs) Nice collection. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, this has been a pretty good one. Uh, is there anything you quickly want to plug right now? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay. okay. Um, but we have stuff we want to plug, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. We've, of course, got our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash right on track Thomas podcast. We've got our Twitter page, which is at on track Thomas. We have our Instagram page, if you're hip and indie like me, which is T-T-T-E underscore right on track. And we've also got our email address, right on track Thomas at gmail.com. We love receiving your emails there. And you can also check out all our stuff, including some bios on the SYN website, syn.org.au. Yes. Please feel free to reach out to us at any time. Send us messages. Do you agree? Disagree with us to our scores? What are your theories? What are your thoughts? Last me hit again in theories. Exactly. Do you have any memes you want to share? Yes, please. Send us all the Thomas memes. <laughs> yes, please. Send us all the Tips for Dora memes. Yes. <laughs> but um, I think this is something you two are going to have to explain off air to me because I don't know what's going on at oh, this point. Th- actually, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it right now on air. Uh, basically, uh, Riley here has edited a whole bunch of memes of me with a fedora tipping it. And that's it. Edited. I don't know what you're talking about. I believe you said that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you, Riley, for joining us. 
But um, I'm still Connor. I'm still Parry. I'm still Denim. And I'm still Sam the Train Fan. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been the Right on Track podcast. Yabu snubs. Farewell.